Welcome to the RSVP In Conversation With member podcast. RSVP is a member community for the global luxury wedding and party industry. And every week I interview a different member. After half an hour, you'll know them like old friends. Sit back and enjoy. My guest today describes herself thus. I'm going to live until I die and everything in between is just another adventure, Auntie May. My mother installed this mantra into my DNA and over my lifetime so far, it certainly proved to be true and set me on a very interesting course of life experience. Raised in New York City and around the world by my international journalist artist mother and explorer father, my life has never been dull. My mother, acclaimed artist Joyce Galley, opened her first art gallery in Greenwich, Connecticut over 25 years ago, renting out for parties in between art openings. My grandfather had been a movie producer in their theatres. My parents divorced when I was quite young and I spent my early informative years glued to my mother's hit, being raised by a real-life auntie Mame and travelling around the globe, Tel Aviv, London, Paris, Germany, Italy for the most part. But her career allotted me a unique perspective on the world and where I might be most effective and helpful to others. I understand from an early age that my future interest lay in the arts in some direction or another. Following my time at art school in New York, majoring in studies to become a fine arts dealer, I decided to become a live art dealer instead, booking and representing name talent and other entertainment. My mother's newest venture was to start a pop art gallery in Greenwich, representing her work as well as other fine artists. Many of her clients asked to rent this unique space to throw their own events and celebrations. I naively thought I could take a leave of absence from my studies and job as entertainment director at the Tavern on the Green and join her in running the art gallery. I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. I was able to gain business knowledge, which may have taken me years of college to obtain, and I realized above all that I was and am a people person and entertainment enthusiasm. I therefore decided to join the family business full-time and see how I could enhance HPG clientele's experience. I'm the proud mother of a teenage daughter named Ava. She's named after Ava Gardner, and I was named after Ava Gardner's character, Lady Brett Ashley, in Hemingway's book movie, The Sun Also Rises. After years of voicing her dislike to the fast-moving pace of world events, she's recently shown an interest in entering the world of hospitality and production. I just became the chairwoman of the Moving Image Committee at the New York City National Arts Club, I was on the board of Girl Be Heard, a worthy organization which promotes activism through performance for teens. I've been a soul cycle enthusiast for quite a few years, and I find it in whichever state I'm working or living in to compare the techniques and enjoy the ride. For me, partying is a way of life. I live by the philosophy that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life ever again. And I'm fortunate to get to do what I love alongside some of the most amazing people anyone can hope to work with. I look forward to sharing my story with the with the audience. As always, the best is yet to come. Welcome, Brett Galley. Well, thank you. I feel like the 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 uh, interview is over. That was <laughs> rather long. I think it says it all. <laughs> it's only just begun. It's only just yes. begun. We've got a lot more to cover, but but that was a very comprehensive introduction and and tells us a very good base, I think, for further discussion. And, and I've got certain points as I, I want to go with, but you've had a very interesting life and you, a very interesting family as well. So let, let's just take us back to your childhood. Now, few people will not be in the United States. So Auntie Mame, I had to look it up actually, but is it 
main the musical, the, the play? Is that what you're thinking about the book? Yes. And one of the reasons I was thinking about it is because we just did a thematic party <laughs> based on that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you that, uh, yes, it's a great book. It's a great um, musical. It's uh, a movie. It was made three different times. It, it's an old classic. And it's all about um, someone who basically inherits her nephew <laughs> um, and uh, and raises him in this wild world, which is filled with possibilities and creativity and fun, fun, fun. And that definitely is my mom. <laughs> so, and, and it seems to be a, a theme in my in my family. So that was your childhood. It's it's um, correct. You've got your mom who who was like an auntie mame, and she just showered you with creativity and possibilities. I mean, I suppose one way to describe it would be a bohemian kind of existence and would you would you recognize that sort of phrase in terms of I mean, living yeah, outside yeah. the norms definitely outside the norms but i think it was uh, a bohemian kind of uh situation but we we i was exposed to a lot of people you know around the world it's not like um when sometimes when i think of bohemian i think more of um just that artsy underground and that was only part of it i think it was also uh the politicos she knew and the grand artists she knew and um it was really an interesting way of life and if you ever familiarize yourself with auntie mame um you will you will understand uh, interesting she lived in this this eclectic brownstone and she had all these art pieces around and uh, everyone that she came across and brought into her realm and her life was someone who kind of added to the team and mixture of people, uh, the combination of friends who became family. So I think that was sort of my norm. It was a very eclectic, unusual, really magical, magical childhood, which I didn't know was magical till later. <laughs> of course. Uh, do you have a first memory of of growing up in this environment? You know, it, I have a lot of memories. If I would have to say like my first memory it was my mother uh, had a, a friend who was a hat designer, a very close friend who was a hat designer. And he just, you know, made these wild concoctions. And I just thought that was kind of normal to see these wild concoctions. <laughs> Nobody even wore hats, but he, he loved to create them. And, um, and he used to have these unusual parties where he would have these eclectic artists and we would be invited. And, you know, it was people who really thought out of the norm and, um, and were exposed to what can be as opposed to um, you know, there wasn't social media. So it was more like what what we grew up with, you know, in our school and our studies, but instead this was uh, opening possibilities. So my, I guess my first thought would be uh, one of his parties and being maybe like six years old and, you know, at one of his grand parties and he had a John Singer Sargent painting, which was like, wow, that's really interesting. Uh, and then after that, uh, he had ashtrays and my mother would say, oh, be careful. Don't put your fingers in the ashtrays because there were diamonds in the ashtrays. <laughs> she didn't want me to put it in my mouth. So uh, I remember just that was a very unusual experience. <laughs> it would. I mean, it just reminds me of that was happening 50 years ago. But if it was happening 100 years ago, it would be the equivalent of something like the Bloomsbury Group in London, which was literature based. Virginia Woolf was part of it and Linda Stacey and things like that. But um, But the one thing that I remember about that and it's it's a genius phrase but it was they lived in squares they moved in circles and looked in triangles mm. which is I mean fantastic so so simple but just so poetic and, and um, yeah very and, uh, poetic yeah yeah that just, just reminds me of that so we're all artistic in this industry we're all creative and uh, and obviously you you were brought up and raised <laughs> from the earth in that kind of environment so do you have a favorite art form? Is it art or is it something else? Is it film? Is it is it music? You know, 
I think that um, so many different platforms, uh, artistic platforms, give me inspiration. And I know it sounds like, um, oh, inspiration is such an overused word, but really, I could be listening to music. I love Mac Miller. I love listening to Halsey. I love listening to, um, you know, so many different forms of great music that then inspire me. But I will tell you, if I see an incredible film or I read an unusual book, um, I don't know that I really have a favorite form. I think that there's so many that um, that really inspire me and get getting, you know, moving me on a certain path or tangent. Um, and but I will say that I I did just become the um, chairwoman to the Moving Image Committee. So right now it's Moving Image, which now with all the streaming platforms, my goodness, from Netflix to Hulu to um, you know. Television is like passe now, so yes. Well, it's it's the booming art form at the moment. It, it That's right. Is. Streaming, yes. 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 Get yes. into it. Streaming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and the thing about television is the producers in charge, theaters, the actors in charge, and film the directors in charge. But it, it is television is a producer's medium, and mm -hmm. they call them mm -hmm. showrunners, don't they, and everything like that. So, and do you have a favorite film TV show that you would just binge watch? Or did, did, does, yes. Does it change I on mean, the hour? <laughs> I, I have, uh, yeah, I have a few, but I have to say, I never get sick of Sex in the City. <laughs> I have to say, I watch it over and over again. Uh, I mean, that television show never gets old. I, I just love it. But also, uh, I will say, The Devil Wears Prada, and I like all the fashion, and I just love, you know, I just love that lifestyle and that kind of cool authenticity of what was happening in that era, you know, it really takes you to a moment in time that's kind of fun and cool. And New York, and I love New York. I'm a New Yorker without the accent. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I mean, obviously I was an observer looking onto that and I, I remember the TV show, but I mean, it seemed to empower women or put them on a, on a level footing with, with, with men in terms of what they were allowed to do and what they could do, et cetera, which is fantastic. Um, um, I mean, but was New York like that 20 years ago? 20 years ago, I mean, you know what? It's always an evolution in every place. So I don't really know. I think it was it was kind of, you know, it was a TV show, so they probably put upon it. But yeah. I, I really did love the fashion. And I, and I think that, you know, fashion's always evolving. If you're not evolving, you're not living. So I feel like it was a moment in time and a snapshot. And uh, I could gain something from it every time I look at it. And I think that Carrie was a strong woman. They were okay. all strong women. Yeah. Who really, uh, you know, raise the bar on um, on women's expectations and and how they can teach people, you know, how to move move forward with their own lives. Wonderful. Favorite food? Do you have a favorite food? I love Asian food. You know, you know, it's funny because I, of course I'm in a million tastings, and I will tell you, it's very difficult to impress me <laughs> because I've been <laughs> to so many tastings. But I will say I love Asian food and I also love hors d'oeuvres. I love anything that's kind of small that I can taste and say, oh, I like that. I don't like that. Uh -huh. So I, I have to say. Um, sorry, when you say Asian, a bit more specific, is, is that Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Thai, Indian maybe? Uh, I'm not I'm not Southeast. a big Indian food mm -hmm. fan. It's just not my curry isn't really my thing, but mm -hmm. I do recognize that it's great. And I will say sometimes, um, you know, for, for my industry, and uh, they will ask for some uh, celebrity chefs, or not even celebrities, sometimes the underground chefs are the best chefs. Yeah. And uh, there are a few that we've 
booked the uh, Korean food, Thai food. Amazing. Amazing. We've done, you know, tastings for uh, sit down dinners, which sometimes are like, you know, seven courses and Moroccan. Amazing. Amazing. I, I love Moroccan food too. <laughs> okay. Okay. All so, of that. All so good. Won't turn it down. If something would, that you knew was your last meal, what would it be? Well, that's very depressing. I don't well, want to think well, of that. Well, well, okay. <laughs> Maybe you didn't. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you rephrase, please. <laughs> yeah, yes, okay. If there is one meal you could never ever live without the rest of your life, what would it be? I don't know if I can't live without sushi. I do enjoy it though. But I will say, for some reason, I've always loved tuna fish salad sandwiches, which is okay. so basic. But I will say that might be if I had a last meal, it might be that. But I do, yeah, okay. I do like sushi. So, but tuna okay. fish salad sandwich, pretty good. Okay, okay. with lettuce and so, tomato, and you know. So in in your home, you have the most amazing bar. And behind the bar is a really hot barman, okay? And he's got every single drink. I like this already. Yes, okay. he has yes. Uh, every single drink you can possibly serve you. What do you order from the hot bar? Well, it would definitely be something with champagne. I will say that. I do like champagne. I'm not a big drinker, but champagne and different styles of sake I like. But champagne, you know, there's there's one champagne. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It has Hemingway in it. I don't know if if you're familiar with it. I'm trying to remember the name of it. You know, I can't remember. But but there is a certain kind of champagne cocktail. It's like uh, the dangerous Hemingway or or something like okay. that. Uh, and that one is a really great concoction. It doesn't have uh, much more than champagne and um, a few ingredients that just make it really give it a great splash and a great energy. So I love that. Okay. Okay. So. You're having a dinner party. Mr. Nobu comes in and does the sushi, and then that you, sounds great. I and, would do that. <laughs> and you have the barman ser serving you the Hemingway, the Hemingway champagne cocktails with some sake, yes. or anything else that the guest wants. You have a table that's big enough for as many people as you want. Who would be at the dinner table? Anybody, alive or dead, fictional. Um, people that you know, people that you don't know. It doesn't really matter. Who is your dream dinner party guest? D dream dinner party guest. Well, you know. First of all, when you're having a dinner party, it is so important the guests you have because you want a great combo of guests. So the combination is key. But I will say that if you have a few kind of larger than life characters, what I found is meeting people in my industry, in my life, who've been larger than life, um, you can have other people who maybe are in uh, not even similar industries and everyone can get along. But I will tell you, you know, it's tried and true, but I will tell you, I, I love Oprah. I really do. Oprah Winfrey, I okay. think, has made a great impact, and I love listening to her. I find her very inspirational. You know, in the States, there's a show called Super Soul Sunday. I recommend it to everyone. It's on Oprah's own network. So I would have her there, and also I am a big fan of Tony Robbins. I find him inspiring, and I learn something from him every time I listen to him. Uh, actually, I've worked with him, and I find him very interesting. And I find, like, anybody who can add to the table – you know, I'd rather have a small group of guests who can kind of connect with each other. And when everyone leaves, they feel like they're on a cloud. And I think that those two people, I'm sure there's so many others, but those two people would be great to have there. Okay, wonderful. So we all work insanely hard in this industry. And, Amen, yes. And, and <laughs> sometimes back to back. But but when- Not sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Take uh, out the sometimes, yeah. Well, there, there we go. And then, however, sometimes we might have one or two weeks off and we can just just relax chill out clear the brain recharge the batteries what do you do and where do you go well i'm a big soul cycle fan i will tell you so one way for me to kind of get away from all my you know 
thought process, because I think in this business also, what I found is that your brain never stops working. I'm always on, my brain is always on, and I'm always thinking about the next detail. So it's hard, but I will tell you, I don't know if they have that in the UK, but in the States, they have soul cycles everywhere. So I do enjoy that. Okay. Okay. No, I do know soul cycle. Um, the endorphins but... that, that come with it are just key. I love it. Love it. Love it. I've got a few questions about so because I because I obviously read your paragraph to begin with. Just from my po personal point of view, I do go to a similar kind of class here in the UK. There is um, a, a soul cycle, there's cycling a few of us. But when I used to go to New York a lot, I used to do flywheel, which 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 didn't survive COVID actually, sadly. But and oh, and, yeah. and, and and I did that. But and I've been to a couple of soul cycles here. It's um, I mean. I've just recently got an Apple Watch, but I imagine that will be buzzing every two seconds saying it's too loud, it's too loud, but maybe you have to hold for that. But the one thing I did notice <laughs> was, I mean, I'm the kind of soul cycle person that sits at the very, very back watching everything happening in, in front of me. Um, but the, the groupies were down by the front, right in front of the instructor, usually sort of ogling him or her um, and, and, and being a bit sort of groupy sort of so where are you are you at the front or at the back or somewhere in between <laughs> <laughs> okay well that was a long way to go to find that out but um i always sit at the front i always well, like to be so you are there. a groupie and, and I, you are a groupie yeah, and i always yes. i always pick um the number one bike literally number one <laughs> if it's not available i'm like okay number two i i i do have to say that it does help me to think but you know what uh the, the, it, when you set an escape you know to go away i I never escape what I do because I'm always thinking about how to improve and what the next element of my life is. But I will say I do enjoy traveling. I actually, even in the States, I love Miami. I love going to Miami a lot. Uh, and I, I love, uh, I've worked in St. Bart's a bunch of times. I like St. Bart's. So, you know, it's very hard though. I think in this business, I've met very few people who their brains kind of relax because uh, it, it's not that way. I think you get into this industry because uh, your brain moves quickly. And I think that um, you stay in it because you get a little crazier as you go along. And uh, crazy, not in a negative, in a positive. But I think that uh, it's hard to relax, but those elements for me certainly help. Like being by the water. Do you have a bucket list? And, what, and what's left on it? Oh my gosh, there's so much left on it. I mean, again, what a negative, a bucket list, but I would like, I would like, you got to be more positive here, but, but I, I know what you're getting at. Um, and what I would say is that, you know, I always feel like the best is yet to come and I always am excited by, um, by the next event. I will say that I have a lot of ideas. Well, of course, always to expand the business because we do so much, but I have a couple of things that are technological that I'm working on right now. But bucket list wise, I've always wanted to be a part, uh, a greater part, I've done some things, but a greater part of the Oscars. I've always thought that that would be a really interesting uh, event to produce. It would be, I know a lot of people who are in that end of the production end of things. And uh, I always think that one thing leads to another. And I feel like uh, you never know. I've been to the Oscars. It's very interesting. Okay. But I would love to be a part of... Um, the production end of things because uh, I like to see how things work. And then I feel like I can improve all the other elements too that we do. After you've maybe had a few too many champagne Hemingway cocktails, does a secret, does a secret talent come out or maybe you don't need to be lubed up on alcohol. Maybe do, do, do you have a secret talent that you, that, that sometimes appears? It's funny because I don't think it's a talent, but oddly enough, I feel like, um, 
I feel like procrastination might be part of it. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound like a talent, but sometimes the, the talent of um, procrastination <laughs> uh, helps me to, uh, to then be more last minute to things and be more inspired. I also am really great with puzzles, very good with puzzles. I tend to be pretty good with leadership, I think, and a great decision maker. When I need to make a decision, I'm boom, that's it. So that's a little bit different though than the procrastination. So maybe procrastination was the before and the after is more of the decision maker. Right. We all work in the luxury sphere. We all work in the luxury sphere and we all have our particular take on what it is. It's a service product. So what do you think luxury is? And what can you give an example of how it defines itself, either service or a product or an experience? I mean, to me, luxury is raising the bar on anything. It's ease, it's comfort. It's um, exposing your clientele and yourself to um, products, situations, and experiences that they've never seen before, they've never experienced before. And, you know, you shouldn't fool yourself and think that people who uh, are, you know, wealthy and famous have experienced everything because they have not. And when you are at a certain level and you help them to achieve an experience that moment in time, because as we all know, time is the most precious element we have, right? There's nothing more important um, than time. And uh, so when you elevate that experience and the time they have with their family and friends or the corporation or whatever it is, uh, I think that that's luxury to me. Luxury is, it's not just private jets, because honestly, in our industry, we all deal with private jets, but um, it's more than that. It's it's raising the bar on what they can experience and understand and th the, the picture that you open to them that they then haven't seen before. And again, don't fool yourself. I have dealt with so many celebrities and for the, I would say nine and a half times out of 10, they say, I've never experienced this before. I've never seen this. And you, you'll say, what, really? You haven't, but they haven't. So I think that to me is luxury, raising the bar on an experience and creating something that's one of a kind. Good answer. Hey, you know what I wanted to mention though? Tell me. I wanted to say um, at, at the dinner party, I just realized, you know who else I'd love to have at that dinner party? Uh -huh. I would love, I just heard this great interview with Keith Richards, um, which was on uh, Howard Stern. I don't think you get him there. Oh my God, he was so interesting. I was like, I need him at a dinner party. I also heard Paul Simon, who I've worked with, and he was amazing. I was like, I want him at the dinner party. And also I thought like Einstein, of course, yeah. Einstein, you want the, 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 the smartest man in the world. And Edith and Edith Piaf could be interesting too, right? She, she could have a little bit of a song at some point. That's right. She? So you have yes. a little bit of everything there. Yes. Now we just need yes. a chef and we're done. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's wonderful. <laughs> I just so, think whoever you get, it'll be interesting with that group. Yeah. And have you got a big, had a big influence in your life and what have they taught you or what have they instilled in you that you sort of every day you think I'm going to live to that to that mm. mantra? I think probably family is my biggest influence. I mean, it's my biggest earliest influence. And I think most people that's the case. I mean, I love to hear people's stories because if you really speak with them and listen, they will tell you about their childhood. They will tell you about their environment. Uh, they will tell you about what really touched them. And I think it all starts with your family, but then sometimes you have a mentor. And I think after that, 
you know, I look at people, well, first I look at some people in our industry, but you know, I have a few clients, not many, but a few clients who've been very inspiring to me too. So I think that I look at them and I say, oh, well, I'd like to mirror what they've achieved. How, I mean, I know people say this all the time, but I think that you're really not a whole person until you've figured out how your talent or your life can give back to others and teach others. And I gain that a lot from the clientele I work with and, and the people I surround myself with. And I don't want to forget to say who you surround yourself with is very important. It's who you become. So surround yourself with people who inspire you, who you can learn from and influence you. Did that answer that question or did I go off on a tangent? No, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. That's giving me a little food for something at the end. So what frustrates you? Oh my God. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, there's quite a lot, but I will tell you in our industry, and I, I keep going back to our industry, even though I'm talking about myself personally, because the industry and the job I have takes a lot of my time and a lot of my friends and colleagues are in that industry. But I will tell you that we have to rely on others. It's not just us and our team. If it was, it might go smoother. <laughs> but I will say what frustrates me, um, sometimes people with big egos who, who don't, um, and I'm not talking about clients, I'm talking about, you know, it could be somebody at a venue or, you know, yeah. something oh, yeah, that yeah. goes awry. Or those, sometimes the biggest egos are other people in their industry, by far. Yes, yes but yes, it's, yes. it's also sometimes, uh, right, right, exactly. But okay. I think sometimes it's also, um, people who want to make their own mark. So they try to do that for, um, they try to do that almost, um, instead of working as a team effort, it becomes about them. So I, I, that frustrates me when, um, I just did an event this weekend where it reminds me of what happened. It's just, uh, sometimes it's difficult, um, when you want everybody to be on the same page, but you have to rely on others. And, um, you know, you want people who want to be like-minded, so, um, it, actually that's not true. Not like-minded. Sorry to say I was getting texts as I, as, <laughs> so, on my phone. This is technology for you. Oh, another thing that would frustrate me would be when people don't realize that it's a lot better to sit and talk about what they're not happy about as opposed to kind of, uh, squiggle around it. I always think that I'd rather sit with a client or a person or a friend and hash it out and say, what, you know, what's bothering you or what, you know. What don't you want or what don't you like? I think communication is key. So I guess that's what would, would bother me. I would hope that, um, and I hope that, you know, uh, I, I learn these things every day too. It's not like I'm the best at communication, but I learn every day. No, naughtiness is a, is a grand value and a trait of RSVP. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's why us, I love it. <laughs> tell, tell us something that you've done which was naughty. Or tell us a naughty or dirty joke, or even both. Go on. I know. I, I was trying to think about that. And I think if it's that naughty, I don't think I'm going to say it on a podcast. <laughs> That's well, number no, one. No one listens. Yeah. I see the stats. No one listens to these. Oh, they really don't. Sure. It, it, yeah, really. <laughs> sure. Okay. That's I'm a naughty. Terrible in liar. Yeah, exactly. I was like, no, that's definitely very naughty. Um, you know, it's really hard to say, and I'm trying to think. I was trying to think of, of a um a funny, dirty joke. I'm sure I've heard of so many of them. Um I mean, well, it's too long a story. <laughs> oh, no, go on. We have time. No, no, go no, on. no. Go, go. I, was, I was just going to say, you know, I, I just the first thing that came to my mind, because obviously I'm not going to tell you about my personal naughtiness, but I was going to tell you it's funny. <laughs> I'll just tell you a little okay. uh, funny tidbit that's business-wise. Okay, tell is us. That, um, is that one day um, a woman came to us. This is a long time ago, though, but a woman came to us and she said, 
uh, you know, my husband, he's turning 40 and we really want you to do this event. This is a while ago. And she said, but I really want to surprise him. And so I said, well, you know, tell me a little bit about him. So, and he was this huge businessman, you know, he's whatever, very big businessman. So, <laughs> so she and I came up with a funny idea. Anyway, the short story is that, um, the premise was that he and his two business partners were going to take him out for his, uh, 40th birthday and that, um, you know, they were going to really live it up and they were going to get, you know, it's so silly to say this, but you know, it was in New York city to get a limo and et cetera, which is so silly because like, who cares about this, but whatever. Um, it was just to be with his friends. So what we concocted was, this is so horrible, <laughs> but what we concocted was, um, the men and they were in on this. They said, well, you know, we're just going to take you to some fun places. You're going to drink, whatever, whatever. He said, Oh, thank you so much. That's great. Whatever. So, um, he, we, we set up this whole thing. It was, it was really a terrible ploy. You might have to take this out of the podcast, but it was at a, um, a well-known strip club. So get this. So he comes, this is so crazy. He comes to the strip club. He's like, what, you want me to come in here? And he was married with kids and, and, um, they said, yeah, we'll just stop by here. It'll be a lot of fun. So he's like, oh, okay. So they've been drinking in the car in the limo. They go in the strip club and uh, the strippers are, you know, it's so awful, especially, you know, this is like eight, 10 years ago. I, I mean, now I don't even know how we would do something like this. It's like not very apropos, but anyway, so, um, so the strippers are coming down. So all of a sudden, uh, the stripper comes down this right where we positioned him in the front and she has a mask on and, um, she pulls the mask off and it's the wife. <laughs> he, yes. Like, oh, no, it gets worse. It gets worse. So he was like, what, what? So he didn't know she was in on it. So he's like, I, uh, he didn't know what to say. So then the cake comes out and his mother brings out the cake. <laughs> and that was, funny. that's what he was like. Your face is what he was like. He was like dying, just absolutely dying. He laughed about it afterwards, but I think he really wanted to fold into the chair and, that was, I mean, somewhat <laughs> naughty. And then all of the, you know, stripping ladies came around and clapped for him. And it was, you know, again, it's not very politically correct. It's not very PC at the moment. But, you know, eight, ten years ago, it was what it was. Okay, okay. Well, um, that reminds me of, I know someone that designs backgammon boards. I mean, and, and each one is unique, basically. Yeah. And, you know, they cost an absolute fortune. Anyway, this, um, the wife sort of uh, bought... A, for a birthday present, this backgammon board for her husband, and they're all individually designed. And she gave it to him on the birthday, and 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 then he started to use it for six months. And on this backgammon board, there was illustration. Actually, no, there's pictures always of naked women, basically um, integrated it into this backgammon board. And um, wow. and it took beautiful. it took him six months to realize there were pictures of his wife. Oh my God! No way! <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they need some therapy there. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, How maybe. funny. Yeah, he should know yes. that was her. But well, I love well, it. That's he great. should have known it from from day one. Or that's right. That's right. <laughs> second one, really, one would have thought. So maybe okay. he just doesn't play backgammon. Well, <laughs> he maybe doesn't not. open it up. <laughs> or maybe he just gives it to his friends to play. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh no! And they've all seen her naked now. <laughs> She's the most popular wife in the group. She, yep. she, she must be. She must be. Okay, we're coming to the end of our session. I'm afraid. So I've got to say thank you, Brett Galley, the Bohemian baby in arms, surrounding yourself <laughs> with the very best, Keith Richards included, who raises the bar every time and only goes to strip clubs on a professional basis. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I had a great time. Thank you for listening. If you wish to join RSVP, please go to the website rsvp.club or email me, james at rsvp.club. Our next large event is in Istanbul in April 2024. See you all next week.